welcome to another episode. Uh, I'm David, as always, and got a special guest on the show today. It's the homie, Brandon. How you doing today, man? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, it's we got a couple of days off from work, so we got to do a special Thanksgiving edition of the podcast. So, uh, Brandon is from Chicago originally, correct? Yep, yep. All right, so... Chi-town, baby. Perfect. We got to get right into some Chicago sports. Uh, let's start with football season since we're in the thick of things for sure at this point. So you want to start with the Bears? Yeah. Um, Where do we start is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can say that again. I mean, we, we, we pulled off like a, a, a narrow victory over the Giants this past uh, week. And I mean, that's something to be positive about. But mm-hmm. overall, we had such high expectations coming into the season. You know, it's just tough to to really like stomach what you're seeing after you've seen like a Pro Bowl season by by your quarterback and now he just looks like a shell of himself you know yeah um, it seems like it seems like football is different from the NBA in that sense where like you could have a season like the Bears last season go 12 and 4 barely lose to the Eagles on that crazy miss kick yeah sorry to bring it up but <laughs> but so basically I mean could have easily made the Super Bowl, and once he gets the Super Bowl, who knows what happens from there. Yeah. And now this season, I think you got, what, five and six? So not terrible. It's not like not the Bengals or anything like yeah. that. But just, like, the fall from one season to the next is crazy in football. And it's basically the same roster, right? I mean, you probably have a better sense of some of those, like, changes from the offseason, but who's, like, different on this team, really? I mean, Besides Jordan Howard, that's the only one yeah. I could really think of. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the team is pretty much uh, the same as it was last season. Uh, there aren't really too many, like – people who are going to step in and make a major change. I think it's really just the confidence of the team right now. I mean, it all starts with, uh, you know, your, your quarterback. And if your quarterback isn't a confident player, then it's not going to really help your offense. And, I mean, your defense can only do so much, you know. I mean, our defense puts us in many good positions to score. Um, they shut down other teams many times, but the reality is they're on the field way too long. So, I mean, that hurts us, you know. Yeah. Over time, their efficiency becomes worse and worse. For sure. And it seems like – because Trubisky had – he didn't have, like, a – great year last season but he had like I wrote down his numbers because they were more than respectable so he he only averaged 230 yards per game but you know he's not a lot now yeah right no exactly (laughs) now that would be like oh I I wish he could do that but so these are the numbers that stand out 24 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions in 14 games QBR 71 and completed 67 percent of his attempts so that's like above average quarterback numbers and then like you said with a defense that's like you know I don't know it's like I don't know if it's historically great, but it's like obviously one of the top. I mean, it's reminiscent of what we had uh, when we were making our run, you know, back in the day when we had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rex Grossman, Grossman yep. running, the, running the show. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have a, a real identity, and it's always been defense with us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, back in the Erlacher days, we really held our hat on that, uh, and now, I mean, with Khalil Mack, you know, it's kind of like the second coming. So mm-hmm. um, you can just see that. There are times when our defense completely can take another team out of the game, but it's just on the other side of the ball, like, what can we do with it? Yeah, and then it is – that's the problem with having such a good defense. If your quarterback yeah. – you touched on it, but, like, if they just go three and out, then, sure, the defense is really good, but, like, they're right back on the field. And, like, just no matter how good you are as a defense, if you're on the field just time after time with yeah. no break – you're going to start to, you know, yeah, show yeah. cracks in the armor, basically. Right. And, I mean, looking at the, the recent game, I mean, your, your Rams, like, we, we just played you guys. And, I mean, I'm looking back at that game. I believe in the first quarter we forced two turnovers. I mean, I believe there was an interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe there was a forced fumble on Gurley. Oh, um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And both of those times, I mean, we had opportunities to capitalize. But zero points were put on the board. I mean, I'm sure we could put some of that on Pierno, the, the kicker. I mm-hmm. mean, he missed, I believe, both field goals. Uh, so, I mean, it kind of hurts, uh, you know, a little sting there, especially yeah. after we, we especially from last season. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, it's reminiscent of that. I mean, there's just no no excuse for that. Such great field position and us just wasting it. I mean, against the Giants, uh, Khalil Mack had that one uh, strip, sa- mm-hmm. uh, strip sack that pretty much set us up right at the goal line. So, yeah. we were fortunate there. And then, you know, Trubisky got his little – his little QB finally yeah punched it in there well that's perfect um, that you mentioned his uh rushing touchdown because I think tell me if you agree with this that it really seems like the only difference from him because like it's not like he was a great passer last season but he just doesn't run this year yeah I mean I don't know if it's a health thing a confidence thing or whether or not uh Nagy's just trying to really get him to to throw the ball put the ball in the air mm-hmm. um, but it seems like his offensive scheme hasn't really emphasized rushing at all this season which you know, is weird yeah, yeah. And I believe there's there's a game against uh, I think it was the Saints where there was only seven run calls 
and 56 pass plays for a guy that can't even like get the ball right. beyond 15 what? yards with the spiral like it's ridiculous i mean just watch him when he throws the ball it's crazy it's, i think yeah, his it's... average yardage per completion is like 5.6 yards or something oh my like God. that yeah <laughs> so why would you want yeah that's just i guess here okay so really quick let me just go through the rush numbers for trubisky compared to last season so last year he had 421 rush yards on 68 carries so that's like for a quarterback, that's pretty good. Solid, yeah. Yeah, and then three rush touchdowns. So this season, he's only carried the ball 22 times for 76 total yards. And the touchdown against the Giants this past week was his first rush touchdown. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he sh- I think uh, against the Giants he showed a few signs of, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to do it, um, kind of just, you know, taking what the defense gives him. But he just seems so rushed out there, you know, um, like a deer in the headlights. And I almost liken the face he makes like Rex Grossman back in the day, but at mm-hmm. least sexy Rexy could like do something, you know, with the ball. Like yeah. I try, he had a, he had an arm on him. He could throw yeah. it down the field. That's one thing that like Trubisky cannot do. Like we talked, we were talking about this earlier. I think I might have mentioned too mm-hmm. early, but I mean, I take Jared Goff over over Trubisky any day. I mean, I, maybe you can tell me about some of the the, the issues that's, you have with him. But that's an interesting proposition right there. Actually, okay, so I went to the Rams Ravens Monday night game two days ago. And uh, I put a poll on Twitter, who would you rather have as a quarterback? Because I've just, like, and it could be because I'm a Rams fan, so I'm more down on Goff, but I would not want him. Like, I, th- I think I would take <laughs> Trubisky, honestly, but not, okay, because I think their play evens out. Like, they're both not good quarterbacks who, like, in the right system can, and with a good defense, we've seen can succeed, right? Right. For sure. But if you get into the, the contract numbers, that's where the huge difference is. Right, for sure. Because, okay, let's see. So so let me get to this. Okay, so Trubisky is only making like seven, $7.25 per year, and he's only under contract through the 2022 season. So that's not bad at all. Like that's a pretty – as far as, you know, quarterback contracts go, that's pretty reasonable. Goff, on the other hand, is making $33.5 million per year, and he's under contract until the 2025 season. So that's like that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. So I think Trubisky's entire career, like or uh, his entire contract, four years, is basically what Goff makes in a single year. God, I mean, when you <laughs> put the numbers in perspective like that, it, it definitely makes sense. I mean, um, I was making the argument that if we could somehow like nor- just equalize their their salaries, mm-hmm. just like player for player, then, I would take yeah. him over him. But I mean, if we're looking at actual contract numbers, then I mean that's that's tough to be locked in yeah. you know, to somebody for that long for that price. Uh, I would definitely just you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like what do you <laughs> do? Look elsewhere. Then yeah. In that case, and it's not like the Rams in. have a bunch of money to spend elsewhere because they have given out huge contracts to other players at positions where you don't really need to do that yeah like running back and receiver right, right so we're kind of like we're kind of screwed basically like we're stuck in this like we're okay so we're not going to be tanking ever but we're also not making the playoffs this no year yeah i mean that's a tough place to be in any sport mm-hmm. i mean at least the bears uh we we at least have a, a road map to success definitely I mean, just replace our our lacking position you know mm-hmm. if we have like a you know formidable quarterback who's you can throw the ball in the air like makes decisive uh choices mm-hmm. with the ball then honestly i think that we can go right back to competing for uh for a super bowl at least be a deep run playoff team yeah definitely so i guess so so what would you do then if you're so let's say you run the bears right and like we said we already went over trubisky's contract isn't terrible uh so what are you doing in terms of like how are you improving the team are you trying to trade for a different quarterback because there are some interesting options out there and they all come with their own set of risks basically but they all seem like they could be uh, upgrades over Trubisky for sure so a couple that come to mind were uh, I guess there's Andy Dalton because it looks like the Bengals are probably getting Joe Burrow this upcoming year Uh, and then even guys like I mean Atlanta might be trying to get rid of Matt Ryan Uh, I could see well this is the interesting one Cam Newton what is that? If I say that name on the Bears, what is that? What does that do to you? I mean, I'm definitely a fan of Cam Newton's game. I mean, mo- I think most people know that if he's healthy, then, I mean, he's a force. Uh, so, I mean, that's just the biggest question to me is if, you know, he's able to, you know, fully recover um, from the procedures he's had, then, I mean, I think it's something that we should definitely consider. Um, I mean, in the past, he's been, you know, great with the ball in the air. He's definitely a dominant athlete. I mean, he's he's huge. I mean, that's a guy that um, is a force. You know, he can push the ball. Um, mm-hmm. He can throw it. Um, I think he'd be 
a solid piece, but it's just a, a question of health for me, you know, and how much money, you know, need to be committed to him in the future. But I think, you know, he's in, in the season of wanting to, you know, redeem and clear mm-hmm. his name because a lot of people doubted him. So, you know, me as a, a Newton fan and as just a Bears fan, I would love to, you know, see an experiment with that. But um, it just have to be under the right circumstances, right pay. Um, right it's definitely risky. That's it's definitely yeah. risky. But, I mean, again, like, I'd love to see a shakeup, um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, after what we're seeing with Mitch this season. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, I guess, I mean, Cam basically has had an entire season off. So you would hope that would make him yeah. a candidate to come back next season. But it, it's, it is kind of weird how they're similar, where, like, when Newton isn't rushing, like he was the first two games this season, he's not really bringing much else to the table. It is kind of similar to Trubisky, where he's not rushing, and now it's like he looks like he's not good, yeah. really. I mean, I still feel like there's, like, more of a threat factor, though, mm-hmm. with, with him. With Cam, I mean, with, when he drops back, like, regardless whether or not, you know, his, he's trusting, like, his shoulder, whether or yeah. not he can, like, put, like, really put the, you know, the, the ball on the money, mm-hmm. I feel like teams at least, like, know, like, okay, like, oh, you know, we have to game play. It's Cam Newton, yeah. Yeah, it's Cam Newton. Yeah. Whereas, like, people are looking at Mitch, and they're just kind of like, okay, like, well, what are we going to do? Like, if we blitz this guy, I mean, like, mm-hmm. he's going to he's gonna make a mistake. He's going mean, to panic. He's yeah. going to panic. Yeah. I mean, he can't, again, like, we're fortunate they aren't calling intentional grounding on us because, I mean, there are many times where he's just throwing the ball, yeah. like, to nobody, you know. And yep. Safeties have picked up as well on, you know, like, what he's doing, like, mm-hmm. what he's thinking, like, how off his pass is going to be because he overthrows yeah. by, like, 20 Where they're not even yards. They're not even really close. Yeah, and those that's are – that's the similarity there to golf as well, where it's like as soon as there's a tiny bit of pressure or like the first option isn't there, both guys are just like, oh shit, what do I do now? <laughs> and that's where there's another similarity on the teams is like McVeigh and Matt Nagy are both like, you know, offensive, like innovative coaches. Yeah. So it's like they can put these guys in position to look good if the circumstances are all perfect. Right. But once it's like one thing's out of whack and it becomes like, you know, Goff and Trubisky going through like what should I do that's where it's like no you're not you're not McVay or Nagy in terms of like thinking through these plays yeah I mean they've something's got to change because I mean at at this rate you know a lot of Bears fans I know are getting sick and tired of of Nagy and I mean we've had a a lot to stomach with Tressman in the past so Mm -hmm. I mean like moving on to Nagy we had really high hopes because it's just kind of been a revolving door for us but um you know he's losing trust uh Mitch is losing trust so I mean it's just been a rough season uh yeah that's just the sentiment in Chicago right now. I mean, it's not just football. Like, it's <laughs> – but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the thing is that, like – so, okay, five and six for yeah. the Bears. Like I said, not a terrible record. Yeah, yeah. But the, the schedule does not get easy. Like, I know. The last – okay, so the last five games at the Lions on Thanksgiving. So that yep. should be a win. Yeah, it should be. And then, honestly, <laughs> that might be – realistically, that might be the last win of the year because then you got Cowboys at Packers, yeah. Chiefs at Vikings. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough. Um, that's I rough. Mean, I feel like we might be able to pull something out against uh, either the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I want to say the Packers, but you know I might regret saying that because I, I that's thought possible. We, yeah, I thought we you know played somewhat well against them the first game of oh, the yeah. season. I mean we we shut them down on offense. Aaron Rodgers was looking you know pretty like, mm-hmm. confused out there when we were throwing our defense at him, but again. We just couldn't score the ball. I think we only had yeah. like one field goal that game. Yeah, it was the three to ten game. Yeah, if we first game of the year. And I was, you know, when I was watching that game, I was actually, you know, like pretty excited mm-hmm. for the season. I was like, okay, like our offense just a little off this yeah. game, but like our defense <laughs> is looking really good. And I, mean, the, I think we scared a lot of people that first game. Oh yeah. And we started the season what three and one, like won the next three games, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yep. I mean, we were showing good signs, but it's just that was the peak. I mean, I think. Um, Mitch had, like, his standout performance against the Redskins this season, but I mean, yeah. everybody's, you know, running. Right, and then Redskins. looking back at that game, it's like, well, a lot of people <laughs> are putting up numbers against the Redskins. But you guys did beat the Vikings in yep, week exactly. four, 16-6. Yep. Yep. So maybe last game of the season, on the 29th, so right before New Year's, you know, pull off the upset. And you could play spoiler, basically, for the Vikings because they're going to be battling for, yep. if not the division, for the wild card spot. So you could... That would uh, be like a moral victory if you end the season by knocking the Vikings out of the playoffs or something like that. I mean, if they have a reason to, you know, to win the game, mm-hmm. uh, like we could be in trouble as well. So, That's true. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not going to doubt us uh, winning more than you know two to three games, mm-hmm. but it's going to be tough. I mean, let's let's start out with the Lions on Thanksgiving. I mean, Mitch said he's ready to play. He's excited to play on Thanksgiving, but uh, I don't know how much that is. That means. good to hear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's excited to play, but our Bears fans excited to see him. 
I don't know. But, I think uh, a bait and switch for uh, Chase Daniel might be the move to go. If the, the Lions don't have a chance to game plan for him, then he could be a problem. But the yeah. thing is, you know, if the uh, opposing team has a chance to game plan for him, like he's pretty. It's over. Yeah. Pretty there's a reason why he's a backup, <laughs> backup. a yeah. career backup, a good one at that. But yeah. you know, there's always there's always those guys where it's like, oh, this guy could be a starter, and yeah. then you're like, oh. I mean, I wish we could pull some stats right now on uh, his uh, numbers when he's replacing a player oh. unexpectedly versus, like, when it's known that he's going to be in the lineup. Like, mid because that first game, The he, first time was Mitch like, threw out his shoulder, yeah. I believe. He hurt it, tweaked his shoulder. Like, three plays into the game three or something like that. Three plays into the game. And yeah. Daniel came in right away, just boom, boom, boom. Yeah. We're like, okay, like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're going, okay. That's where you start to trick people. The fans start to be like, oh, wait a second, this is yeah. this guy's good. And then a team has a full week, and it's like, oh. Yeah. Nope, moving back to the bench. It's yeah, too slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, this would be – okay, here, actually, I want to ask you this. So, the last game when Mitch got – or no, was it against the Rams when he got taken out at the end of the game? Yeah, like three minutes in. Yeah. So, like, what happened? Because I heard that Matt Nagy, like, they had, like, a emotional moment on the sideline when he pulled him out, but I didn't see it. I, and I couldn't find a video of it. Like, I don't know if – it's weird. Like, there's no evidence of it, but I heard people talking about it. He pulled him out, and then they showed him, like, hugging him and, like, whispering something in Trubisky's ear. Like, I don't know what. But Yeah, so I, I, I talked to my brother about this because, you know, I was a bad Bears fan, mm-hmm. and I definitely cut that game off a little bit before that, that moment happened. But no my, one can blame you. It's seven points scored. Like, yeah, that's no, it was rough. Again, it was just hard to see. Um, that Again, that one touchdown that we squeezed in there to, mm-hmm. to Cohen, like, that was a miracle. Like, I <laughs> – I was really surprised he got that, honestly. I mean, he threw it like 25 yards. That was yeah. a, a huge surprise to me. So, um, My brother was telling me, though, that um, Nagy like, was basically just in his ear telling him that like he's not he's not going anywhere. Like This is like his, his team. He needs okay. to run the team. Kind of just giving him that, you know, that um, reassurance, that basically. reassurance, basically, to tell him that, you know, you got to like play your game. But I might all just be for show. But, I mean, he's going to be the, the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think right now it's just, like, win what you can win and just take what you can from this season. Um, and if he starts to trend upwards, maybe we see him back next season. But, yeah. you know, if things keep going downhill, then who knows who will be, you know. He could be playing for his job, basically, these last yeah. five weeks. So, which... I mean, exactly. So, that's why I'm saying, like, two to three wins is, mm-hmm. you know, not something that would surprise me because we could see a motivated Mitch. Yeah. Again, the defense is – still going to be the defense so yeah that gives you a fighting chance any night. in every game yeah for sure yeah and i mean even like the cowboys don't look all that great right and then the chiefs like haven't looked good in a few weeks now like they've lost to the titans and like yeah. are the bears that much worse than the titans no i mean yeah. i really i really just think you know it's whether we play to the level of our competition mm-hmm. or whether we just come out with like knowing that we're a winning team Cause right that's, that's the issue you know you can be a, a solid team but like how do you react against the the teams you should beat yeah the teams that you're gonna have to really push to beat so um you know if we put out an effort like we're paying the packers against the, mm-hmm. the lions and sure we can thrash the lions but <laughs> if we come out like against the packers thinking that we're playing the lions then, then it could get ugly yeah exactly so we'll see yeah we'll see yeah Okay, well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into some Bulls basketball. All right, enough football, enough mediocre football teams. Uh, <laughs> Bears and Rams, both basically the same team this season. So let's go Let's get into the, the Bulls. So just really quick overview. So they're 6-12, and 12 and there's a lot of buzz going into the season about them being like a possible playoff team in the East, maybe even like – Still a playoff team in the East. Yeah, that's true. That's not out of the question. Uh, but so – What's just like your general takeaway from the season so far, 18 games in? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, a lot can be said about the team right now. I mean, when, like you said, we're 6-12. and 12, uh, That's literally just one game out of a uh, playoff. I think Is the eighth really? seed, though, yeah, I think the Magic are 6-10 and 10 or something like that. I think we're like one game out of the eighth seed. So, I mean, anything is fair game right now. In the East, there's just like a bunch of teams that are like underperforming. I think like we're with the right around with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. The Nets are probably like around 500 now. Um, got the Magic, the Hornets. Uh, there's probably just a, like a cluster of teams yeah. like stuck right there. So Bulls, Hornets, Pistons, and Magic all yeah. have six wins. The Magic just only have ten losses, so that's why they're in the eighth seed. Got it. Yeah. So I mean, we're still, you know, we're still, you know, fighting. I mean, we could definitely make the playoffs. I mean, it's mm-hmm. literally only like twenty games into the season. Yeah. But um, my biggest takeaways so far this season are just like a, 
a lack of offensive uh, game plan, um, and it seems like a lack of like trust between coach and players at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a guy that people thought could be an all-star type player in Lowry Markkinen, who's just honestly just looking like a regular guy. Like I don't know, like what's up with him? He's only he's averaging thirteen point six points, seven rebounds, shooting thirty five percent from the field and twenty eight percent from three. Like how can he be seven feet tall, athletic? You know, like super athletic, honestly, like more athletic than Kristaps when he was um, before he even uh, hurt his knee um, and only shooting 35 percent from the field. All the shots are like mid range fadeaways or three pointers. Like the only times he's like finishing to get that 35 percent is like a dunk or a layup. But he's just not attacking the rim enough. Yeah. And I mean, it's like if you're boiling, at what point in time do you set up some plays to have him post up and get him Mm -hmm. going early on? rather than, you know, having him post up on the perimeter. Yeah. Um, looking at, you know, other players on the team as well, I mean, Wendell Carter Jr., he's been playing pretty well, you know, pretty close to a double-double. He's mm-hmm. pretty, you know, menacing down low, honestly. Like, dude plays big for his size. He's actually like 6'9", 6'10", but oh, nice. you wouldn't even know it. Um, big, strong like guy. He's like 7 feet tall, yeah. Yeah, he's like 270, really strong yeah. guy. Um, and, I mean, he's just really ball- he's balling out there. That's mm-hmm. all I can say for a second-year player. And he really looks like the floor general out there. So, I mean, I'm pretty high on him. Mm-hmm. And I'm honestly thinking he has more potential than, than Markkinen at this point. I mean, if he can start knocking down some more jump shots, mm-hmm. get more of a feel for his game, because he missed a lot of games his rookie year, then I think he could really be our best two-way player on the floor, to be honest with you. Um, got a few other guys I want to speak about as well. I mean, we, we recently brought in, you know, Sadoransky, mm-hmm. um, Daddy is Young. I'll also just include Otto Porter since we acquired him last season. But, yeah. um, you know, Porter's been injured. Okay. You can tell he just hasn't been healthy, though, this season because he's been looking pretty, you know, slow, um, un, you know, unmotivated at times and just, like, not really scoring the ball like we thought so. So, I mean, if I think if he can get healthy again and kind of just bring what we thought we were going to get from him mm-hmm. on the team, then I think he's kind of like our missing piece. Um, but until he's 100%, like, it's tough to say from him. You know, Sadoransky been showing a lot of ups and downs like he has games where he'll you know score 20 points mm-hmm. have a bunch of nice looking assists other games where he's just really a non-factor it and just disappears sometimes yeah and then i mean thaddeus young he's supposed to be that veteran glue guy he's supposed to give us like 10 15 wins automatically you yeah. know you know how it works but. yeah i really thought so i thought those additions right there were yeah. like huge but i guess it's i guess it's just kind of confusing because those guys sadaransky and and thad young are like win now players right because yeah. they're i think Thaddeus Young's 31, and yeah. Sadoransky's like 28, 29. Yeah. So I guess it's just, there's like conflicting, you know, like motivations here where it's like, you want those guys to get minutes because they're good. Yeah. But then also you have those young guys that you mentioned. So it's like, so I hear, this is like an interesting stat that I wrote down. Markkinen, uh, Kobe White, who I'll let you talk about in a sec, and also Wendell Carter, none of them are playing over 30 minutes per game. Right. So you would think like, if, if the Bulls were like, you know, battling for like a, three four seed then that would make a little more sense but like why not why wouldn't you be playing them like closer to 33 34 just to see like what you have there got it you said markinen's not playing 30 minutes he's right at 30 got it i mean a lot of this i think has to do with some bad substitution patterns Mm -hmm. by boylan because i mean there are times where it's like four minutes into the game he's pulling like zach out he's pulling lowry out putting in luke cornett putting in some random guys. I don't I don't know what's up with this sub pattern, but he's losing trust between himself and the players. Um, but, I mean, it's a tough point that you brought up. And a lot of people look at uh, the Bulls and say, you know, when Thibodeau was on the team, like, you know, young guys wouldn't get this much minutes, this, mm-hmm. this many minutes. They wouldn't uh, be able to have, like, the green light that they have, like Kobe White does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough because it's a balancing act. You know, we want to compete, um, but it's not as if, like, Thad Young and Sadoransky are win-now players, per se, because we're only, you know, paying these guys, like, however much money. I think Thad's probably making, like, $11 million, uh, or I'll pull, yeah, let me. I'll pull that up. In okay. And then I think uh, Sadoransky's making around $10 million. He's He's, he's kind of overpaid, but at the same time, it's like we know we're not going to be competing for mm-hmm. anything serious, but we need to have some guys that understand what a winning culture is uh, playing with the team just to, like, help build up those habits. Because, I mean – Right now, it seems as if um, our team just really doesn't have like that that sense of focus. Like there, there's there was a rumor going around that Boylan had like a, a time card that people would have to come in and like yeah. punch the clock when they ch- they come in to yep. show that they're actually working out. Like that just shows to me like right away, okay, like there's no sense of like accountability, no sense of trust. Like if you're an NBA player and you're not working on your game, what the mm-hmm. hell are you doing? Like it'll show. Yeah, it'll show. <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't need to make people do. That's that's just so like gimmicky. It seems like. 
and by the coach basically is like yeah. that's showing that he doesn't trust them, and then that probably makes them like almost want to try less because they're like oh he doesn't think we're trying so yeah. I don't know it's just like it's he's I don't know if he's too old school but it doesn't seem like he's connecting with the players at all yeah um, I mean he does some cool things like he has like a one on one championship where you know oh. uh, there's a tournament between the uh, amongst the teammates mm-hmm. and uh, whoever wins gets like a championship belt kind of like a WWE belt or oh, something that's like, a good, that. I like yeah, that yeah so I mean that's that's cool you know that's a fresh idea but in general, I think he's kind of trying to be too much like a Greg Popovich, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, there are times where he just kind of, like, deflects questions in a way that almost, like, you know, is Pop-esque. Like, yeah. um, one guy who shouldn't be on, on the on the Bulls or even in the NBA anymore, for sure, Denzel Valentine, for example. <laughs> when, when asked about why Denzel Valentine didn't play against, I think, like, the Rockets or something like that, we were getting blown out by whatever team it was. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he honestly just said, you know, because I don't want to. I don't want to play him. He's not ready. He needs more development. And, I mean, he's in the G League for a reason. Yeah. But the Bulls have this tendency to kind of just string along guys that shouldn't be in the league. Like, we mm-hmm. had campaign on our roster for, for like a while, four yeah. or five seasons just getting paid, you know. Do you think – is Chris Dunn getting near that territory? I like Chris Dunn, too, is the thing. It's, like, I think he, he can have a career, but it just maybe it's, like, time for him to – See, Go to another team on a team that really needs some guys that know how to play make mm-hmm. and handle the ball and orchestrate an offense like Chris Dunn is not the solution but right. if you need a guy that's going to be like a junkyard dog go mm-hmm. hound somebody like yeah. I, I'd throw him on there right away I mean if LeBron had Chris Dunn like on his wing like oh boy you better you better believe he'd he's be similar happy. to like Avery Bradley basically he could be an Avery Bradley yeah. he could be a Pat Beverly I mean mm-hmm. if he can just figure out his jump shot from three just like a catch and shoot guy like yep. the dude's gonna have a long career because yeah. he's averaging like two steals a game in like 20 minutes yeah. yeah that's crazy you know I mean that's probably like the the highest like steal the minute ratio mm-hmm. like in the NBA and, like, one fascinating stat that not many people probably know is that the Bulls are number one in the NBA in steals. Isn't that Ooh, crazy? That is, whoa. Yeah, number one in the huh. uh, NBA, 9.6 steals a game. Um, Who else is getting? I mean, Levine's getting, like, 1.3 okay. steals. I mean, he's a guy who's fast. Like, he can get in the passing lanes. Like, Otto Porter yeah. was getting, he wants like, those, uh, he wants those dunk, dunk, high dunks. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a gambler. You'll see it all the time, which is, like, pissing me mm-hmm. off sometimes. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, so, 1.3 from him, like, one from Otto Porter. I saw this one stat, and I could not find it to save my life, but there was a stat that showed the leaders in pick sixes in the NBA. Like, that means a steal and just going to finish for a layup on the other end. And Shaquille Harrison on the Bulls was, like, number two from last season. And he didn't even play all games. Yeah, I listened to an interview with Zach Levine, and he said that Shaq Harrison is like the, the best low, athlete. The, yeah, the yeah, low post. Yeah, one. I also yeah. I also listened to that, and I mean, I knew it right away because I was wondering what he was gonna say. I thought he was gonna say marketing just because mm-hmm. he's pretty athletic, but dude is a beast. Like, yeah, where did he where did he come from? I, I I haven't like I'm not familiar with him at all. Oh, I forget what school he went to. I it wasn't Colorado, was it? Um, not sure where he went to school. I forget. Um, but when we Tulsa, s- Tulsa, okay, <laughs> Tulsa got it. So. I remember we brought him into our summer league team because mm-hmm. we normally bring like a, a couple random guys in. And, like sometimes we find some gems. Mm-hmm. Like we we do have like a decent you know scouting team. Sometimes yeah. they can go out and find like those guys. Like Jimmy Butler is an example of like a guy we just kind of picked from the rough. That's you know? actually yeah, that's a really good find right there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we kind of just found this guy, brought him in. I remember right away I was like, this guy is like a different machine mm-hmm. out there. You can kind of just see the way he's moving. He's quick. Mm-hmm. He's like always his motor's always at one hundred percent. Super strong. I mean, if he could just put some polish on his game like i think he could easily be a guy to get like 20 25 minutes a game like i think he could be a guy to help turn around the bull season i mean if he gets more more confidence yeah kind of just like you know get some more playing time under his feet then i think he could like really have an impact to be honest with you so that's where okay here so going back to some of the young guys really quick i don't know if i let you get to kobe white yet so what do you what do you think about him? So seventh pick in the draft. Yeah. He started off super rough. So yeah. his numbers have came up. So about 14 points per game, 2.3 assists, which is – that's, like, worrisome for me personally. And yeah. then 38% field goal, not great. 34% from three, which came up from, like, 23%. We were supposed to do this podcast, like, a couple weeks ago, and it was 23% at that point. So – Showing some signs of improvement, but what do you think about his rookie season so far? Yeah, I mean, since we uh, originally put put his stats down, I mean, he's had a few games where he just kind of exploded for like you know five to seven three pointers, like out of nowhere, out of the blue. I think one, I think like one fourth quarter, he had like seven three pointers, and I think he like fueled us with a comeback win. And it's just this past uh, 
just the other game against the Hornets, I think he had like five or seven of them, uh, 28 points to go along. Zach mm-hmm. Levine's like ridiculous 13 three-pointers. Like oh, was that, that was the same game? Same they game. Up, wow. I mean, the reason why his stats just are the way they are is I honestly think Boylan's just telling him like, look, you know, for this second unit, we need you to score. And if you watch the Bulls play, mm-hmm. without like him putting up shots, like no one else is going to take a shot. Our offense is just super stagnant with yeah. the second unit. So, I mean, there are times where he'll just catch the ball, like eight seconds left on the clock. He'll look around for a second, like play make? Nah, it's going to be like one, <laughs> two time. crossover. Yeah, like step <laughs> back. White bucket time. Yeah, it's going to be like a step back <laughs> mid-range jump shot, which I'm sure coaches are like working with him on, mm-hmm. like, you know, threes or drives only. Right. But, I mean, for a rookie, I mean, he's showing some signs. Uh, I think that, you know, as he gets more polished, and I, I think that as, you know, the, the team grows together, his stats will kind of, like, you know, even out, mm-hmm. hopefully around, like, you know, five. He can get – he should be getting, like, five rebounds, yeah. five assists, I think, you know, yeah. for a guy that's playing almost 30 minutes, and he's capable of that. And, I mean, if he can just keep on improving on his efficiency, like, he can definitely be a 15-point – for game score very soon but i just want to know if like he can take that next step you know yeah um sometimes he does look one-dimensional mm-hmm. you know when he's playing well offensively he's like a whole different player than when he's not playing well if he's having an off night yeah. he's just out there honestly like not really doing much on defense yeah uh not really doing much on offense but when he's hot like he's out there talking he'll let you know that he's going off like he'll get in the passing lanes uh, he'll be like hawking his defenders. I mean, there's just different things he does when he's like really engaged in the game. For sure, and that's I guess that could just be part of a young player. It's yeah, like, I mean, he's 19, so yeah. So when your when your offensive game isn't there, especially for him, who's like he's known as a scorer basically, like yeah. a playmaker. So yeah. if that's not there, you can see why he gets a little down, and then it's like yeah. he's not he's not as focused on the defensive end. So obviously, yeah. you'd like to see that change. But I mean, Zach Levine might not be the best like role model for him yeah. in terms of that possibly so I guess that so that moves me to this question how do you think like the fit is because you guys still have a super young team so yeah. I wrote down the ages so I think so Kobe White's 19 or 20 yep uh, Wendell Carter's only 20 yep Markinen's 22 and yep. then Levine's 24 yep so that's four like solid players under 25 but so like, how do you think that fit works though hmm I mean on paper, I keep telling people, I always just like preface it with on paper, mm-hmm. I think the Bulls have a really well constructed roster. I mean, you look at the what our projected starting five was for the season, you know, you look at well, the point guard position is mm-hmm. always in flux, but you put any point guard there, you know, whether it be Sadoransky, Dunn, or Kobe White, mm-hmm. uh, alongside Levine, Otto Porter, um, Markinen, and then um, Wendell Carter, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Markin and ideally, if he's hitting the three-pointer, compliments yeah. Wendell, who plays very well mid-post and low-post area. Mm-hmm. Um, their defensive uh, efficiencies and inefficiencies also balance. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is a great shot blocker, low-post defender. Markin is more mobile, but you know yeah. he's still not the best defender. Something he needs to keep working on. Um, Otto Porter is supposed to be like that jack of all trades, kind of like Swiss Army knife. He's yeah. a solid defender. Uh, pretty good from three, like can create off the dribble, mid-range, but he just hasn't been playing up to his potential. Zach is supposed to be our guy to create the offense, supposed to be our go-to guy, but, I mean, he's pretty streaky so far this season. I think a lot of teams have just honestly been game-planning for Mm -hmm. him. If you're going to be that number one guy and talk about being an all-star before the season, all these articles that are coming out, then you got to be ready for double teams, defensive like schemes. Think like what's really throwing him off is what gets Zach going is his mid-range game. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that like feeds off of that, but the coach has been telling him you got to eliminate that. So it's threes and drives, and he doesn't really finish through contact that well. He's kind of yeah. wiry, and when his three's not on, he's just having an off night to be honest. So um, the fit in the backcourt is probably the the biggest problem for me. Um, I think to work well with Zach Levine, you got to be a specific type of player. I think we need a guy that can orchestrate the offense and a guy that can go out and get us some points. So if you look at all of our op- uh, options, Sadoransky can orchestrate an offense pretty yeah. well, but he's not really much of a scorer. He's not aggressive enough. If you look at Chris Dunn, he's a great defender. He can't really score that well, and he can't really orchestrate an offense. Yeah. Kobe White, he can score not that well of a defender. You and you can't work straight all three of those guys yeah. into one player. Basically. We can make it one big player right there. Then I mean, I think it would fit well. But I think we're just missing that that key playmaker and mm-hmm. that guy. To I thought Zach could be the guy to go get us a bucket when we need it, but I don't know if he's the guy either. To be honest with you. Yeah, this is that's the biggest surprise to me. I think because there was a lot of buzz for him, like scoring, yeah, uh, scoring title winner possibly, like at least twenty five points per game. His scoring's actually dropped from yeah. last season to only twenty one. Yeah. Which is weird because I guess Markinen is taking up a lot of the shots, which 
He, honestly, though, there's some games where marketing doesn't need, I don't, like how many field goal attempts does he have for a game? I'm not even sure. Um, but I mean, Zach, like, I think he tries so hard to play within the offense sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, he just gets himself out of rhythm, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy we're talking about this right now after he dropped the 49. I know. <laughs> but if you, like, again, if you look at his stat line from that night, then you'll completely understand what I'm saying. Like, if this three pointer isn't going, mm-hmm. then it's a rough night for him because he's not going to be taking as many mid range shots. And a lot of his jumpers are contested as well. He's yeah. kind of like a contested jump shot shooter. They're not great shots. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that actually, yeah. So that's, so I, I was kind of wrong. So, Levine takes 17 and a half field goals per game, which isn't crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some people crazy, are taking yeah. 20, but Markkinen's only taking 11.4. So yeah. Kobe White is actually second on the team with 13 field goals per game off wow. the bench. That's so yeah, like you're saying, the coach must be telling him like, "We just need you to score." And I, I mean, that's I, it. and I think like I think his teammates are probably telling him that too. Because I mean, I, if I'm looking at our roster, I think our two best offensive players are probably those two at mm-hmm. this point. Because I mean, Markinen just looks like a shell of himself. Yeah. Like he's just he's just not confident out there. And like yeah. I, I think out of those 11 attempts, he's probably taken like half of them are probably three pointers. Because mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's all it's all if you watch Markinen throughout the game, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be one of two nights. Either he's gonna start off down low, like feasting on some like easy dunks or something like that, or he's gonna start shooting threes from the start. And I mean, if he start, if he misses his first shot, like it's gonna be a rough night for him, most likely. I mean, he's just that type of guy, and I don't know if he necessarily does fit with Zach Levine that well, to be mm-hmm. honest, either. Because I mean, their games don't really complement each other, if you think about it. Like they both shoot a lot of threes, they both take contested like mid-range jump shots. They like to drive, but neither one of them can finish well in traffic, yeah, which they really surprises are, me. They really are similar players. Markin is just like the bigger version, where yeah, they prefer to shoot, and they're super athletes, but that's kind of it like they're not really bringing much else on anywhere else on the floor i guess yeah, yeah marketing yeah so basically six five and a half of his shot attempts so yeah pretty much exactly half are from three and he's seven feet tall yeah and That's, i mean yeah, yeah I, I i don't know i mean i don't think anyone's really holding lowry marketing accountable at mm-hmm. this point uh, our management is just always in flux and our, our, again our coaching situation has just been so weird these past yeah. years I mean people have been saying like alright you have Thibodeau he's a, people think he's a world class coach but he can't really run an offense necessarily mm-hmm. he's to just predicate on defense and we all know the rumors like he runs his players to the ground yeah. I mean you can see kind of where, where people are getting with that. With the, if you look back at the old Bulls from like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, most of those guys are out of the league or they're shells of their yeah. themselves. Um, but then you bring in Hoiberg, who has, you know, the Iowa State, like, motion offense, all these great things. And we didn't have a team and a roster that could really work with his system, mm-hmm. which a lot of people say is crazy that we fired him and then brought in guys that would fit with his system. And now we yeah. have a guy who can't work with these players. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. Like, it looks like Boylan's just, like, trying to figure out how to be a head coach at this point. Like, That's where it seems like front office uh, front office execs basically in the league just overreact too quickly. Where, mm-hmm. you know, how, how long did Hoiberg, Hoiberg coach there? How many seasons was it? two or three seasons. I mean, we're still paying him. Like, he signed a five-year deal. Yeah. Like, we're signing these guys to five-year So it's like contracts. You, obviously, I mean, he's not going to be like – he's not a red hourback. He's not going to yeah. turn the Bulls into a contender, like, right away. Yeah. So why not give him – because if you let him finish, finish out that contract five years, now he's still here, and he has all these players, maybe he could – it sounds like they would fit better into, like, a more modern offense where it's like – you yeah. have a power forward who's seven feet but can shoot the three. Yep. You have all these scorers and athletes. Like you would think that would be perfect for like a spacing modern offense. And but if you overreact and fire the guy after two or three seasons, you're just back into stage one where it's like, well now we don't have the players for this coach, so he's not going to do well record wise. So now we might have to fire him early. And it's just like a cycle. It seems like. Yeah, and I mean. It's it's really interesting because, I mean, I'm really starting to doubt nowadays in the NBA that coaches really even make that much of a difference. There Seriously. are probably a few cases that we can bring up and mm-hmm. say, like, okay, they made a difference. But, I mean, look at the Bulls even. We had Vinny Del Negro. Thank you, Derek Rose's rookie season. Like, we bring in Tom Thibodeau, like, a year after that, and our record just drastically increases. Mm-hmm. But do you attribute that to, you know, Thibodeau, or is it D. Rose just being that transcendent yeah. of a player? You know, like, the Bulls yeah. don't have that transcendent of a player now, but I'm sure – if we had, like, I don't know, like, if we had Trey Young or Luka Doncic on our team right now instead of Zach Levine, just, like, just for, you know, an example, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure people looking at Boylan as, like, one of the top coaches right. in the league, you know? Yeah, so it's a lot of luck and just timing, basically. Yeah. So if, yeah, so if, like, let's say Markkinen just randomly popped and, like, averaged 25 a game last season or 
when Hoiberg, Hoiberg was there. Maybe yeah. he's still there because it's like, oh, yeah, exactly. this coach is really good with working with players. But really, how much of it is the coach versus this dude's just a baller? Like, yeah, and I mean, unfortunately for Hoiberg, he kind of got owned by Jimmy Butler, so <laughs> that didn't help that his was case. Rough. I think that that is true. Like, if you're a coach where you're like more soft-spoken and kind of yeah. not a personality, you are more likely to just kind of take the fall for things because yeah, it's like Billy, Billy Donovan and OKC also. Oh, yeah. like, they're like the same guy. Him and Fred Hoiberg. We're like, yeah, they're not exactly. Gonna, they obviously know what they're doing. Like, they've had success in college and even some success in the NBA. Billy Donovan yeah. has, but it's like. As soon as there's one rumor, even about you know stuff going wrong in the locker room, they're not going to say anything about it or like make a stand. So it's kind of just like, well, let's just blame them, get yeah. them out of here, start over fresh. When really, it's most likely the group of players that the front office put around them. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the front office wants to just blame the coach and not say, right? Oh, maybe we shouldn't have drafted this this guy, or like maybe we shouldn't have signed this guy, stuff like that. But I guess we it's really hard to know the balance between how much is the coach how much power do they really have but it seems like from the eye test from what you've seen so far this season that Boylan might not be might not be the best guy nah I mean you you can go through our our subreddit and there'll be plenty of memes just about how much of a clown he is you know I mean uh I, I don't know again it might be too early to tell and you know I'm I'm really hoping that he he does actually have some like potential as a head coach in the NBA mm-hmm. but all I know is that our our management needs to define a direction and just stick with it. You know, at this point, I'm kind of sick of them, like, throwing out, you know, different things to get the fans' hopes up. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? We're putting out, like, an inferior product for a really good fan base. So, at the end of the day, I'm just hoping things get better for us. Yeah. No, me too, because it is is fun when the Bulls are good. Because I remember those – when was that with Jimmy Butler and Joakim Noah and even, like, Luau Dang? Yeah, I mean – Was that, like, the two – yeah, no, I mean, early, like, we, so we had a period, I mean, D. Rose was literally just drafted in 08. Oh, wait, okay. And, I mean, the next three, four years until he got injured were, mm-hmm. like, our years where the Bulls were the number one team in the East. Like, he was just that, like, good of a player, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, every year was a question, could we beat the Heat? Could we beat the Cavs? LeBron was really just that guy who took us down, just like MJ, you know, took down, like, you know, Portland's dreams mm-hmm. back in the day. So, um, he was just that guy for us, LeBron, and, um... Yeah, I mean, that was the, probably the best Bulls team I've seen, you know, since I've been able to be a, a fan. Um, obviously, we had the team when we were really young, you know, with, with MJ and everyone. But, yeah, yeah that's that was like our identity, you know, Grindhouse. And mm-hmm. it really fit with like, what the Bears were doing as well. We just had, like, defensive-minded teams, you know. You just embrace the – that's why sports are awesome because they, the teams usually embrace the identity of the city. So it's yeah, like I mean, L.A., Showtime, everything's yeah. flashy. And then Chicago is more like grit and grind, like hardworking, basically, and that's what – yeah, because, I mean, if you go back and look at the box scores of those games, like, oh. it was ugly. I mean, we were winning, like, 76 to, like, 80. Yeah. Like, D. Rose have, like, 25 points on, like, 28 shot attempts. Yeah. Like, it'll he be would a- have, like, basically <laughs> half the points. Like, yeah. A quarter, like, 30% of the points, basically. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, I mean, stats have changed so much in the NBA now that you kind of have to look at things with a grain of salt as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I just went back on basketball reference, though. So, D. Rose's second season, 62-20. and 20. Yeah. Damn. Second then, season. Yeah, and then and the next I'm, year, 50 and 16. But still. That's, and w- w- that was the lockout season as well. Okay, so that's why. And, okay. and what's really interesting is I think that playoff series, D-Rose's rookie season against mm-hmm. the Celtics where we took them to seven back when they had the big three, Yeah, I could think that really like just defined that Bulls team. I mean, there was okay. like a notable steal Joakim Noah had where he came down and dunked it. We had so many like double overtime games. I think our players were just confident. Like mm-hmm. we can like really like give these guys a run for their money. Like what yeah. can we do? But that type of like improvement is yeah. crazy. And that's what you see with that's where you can see the next like uh, you know big team coming out of nowhere is yeah. usually they have an early round playoff matchup the year before they're good with a good team and they don't win but they're like they leave that series thinking like oh like we just played with them. It's like the Thunder getting swept by the Heat in the finals, but like they were in the finals. The Warriors, even before they yep. really blew mm-hmm. up, they I think it was the Clippers they took to seven. Yeah, and it's like oh, like they didn't beat the Clippers, but that was like Lob City peak Lob City, and this yep. team of random dudes like almost beat them. So it's like, and then obviously injuries derailed the Bulls. Uh, yeah, but they're still it's still like a good three year run right before D Rose got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you look at it in, in hindsight mm-hmm. that it was only three years of being so dominant because when you mentioned the name D. Rose, like, you'd almost think he was dominant in the NBA for, like, ten seasons. Yeah. I mean, like, his star is still so big in the NBA just from, like, what he did for a couple seasons, which just goes to show you, like, how good he really was. Yeah. I mean, 
it's that's, crazy. Exactly. That's how good he was. That he was so good that he it seemed like he was better for longer. Yeah, I mean, he's just going to be one of the biggest what ifs like mm-hmm. ever in the NBA. I mean, if the guy never goes down and Jimmy Butler gets as good as he gets, like I say, we're oh. at least winning like one, he one has to two to, rings. You know, he has to be like the Grant Hill level now of what if, where it's like yeah, and Penny Hardaway. Yeah, where, I mean, yeah, my and it's crazy. My two favorite players like mm-hmm. ever in the NBA were Brandon Roy and D Rose. Both, yeah. both went down way yeah. too soon. I mean, uh, you know, D Rose still balling, like mm-hmm. fifty point game, oh, yeah. shedding tears, but still, it's yeah. not. It's like no matter what, though, it's never going to be the same. Yeah, he's only like thirty one too, so it's like he could still have another four or five years. I yeah, mean. but it's just tough because you know people are always going to just label him when you mm-hmm. watch him. You're just like he's not the same, but yeah. he's still doing well. I'm excited for him. But yeah, yeah. This is, I would just like to see him on a good team, so that might be something where it's like he might think he's still like you know one of the best players in the league and it, i mean numbers wise it shows like he's still good but i think he should go to a good team where he can actually help them win instead of just like putting up 17 points on the pistons who i think they're 6 and 12 also <laughs> so, but that would be he seems like a guy who will do that maybe when he's like 33 or 34 cuz he'll yeah. start to see the end of his career and be like what's the closest he got to a championship was with the Bulls. Yeah, we went Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat. Mm-hmm. We, I remember we won the first game. Oh, man. How many games did that series go? Was it seven? It went five or six. Oh, it was quick? Damn. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it was – I remember Chris Bosh, like, that oh. – Yeah, he was a problem <laughs> for us. The second time we had a chance was mm-hmm. when um, – I think that was when we had Pau Gasol, Jimmy Butler came up some. This is after D. Rose towards okay. ACL and meniscus, I think. So, I mean, he was like – like, he was still decent. He probably putting up like eighteen or nineteen yeah. points a game. But I remember there was that the bank shot he he hit against the oh, Cavs yeah. in the playoff. I think that were we in the Eastern Conference Finals or semifinals? I think that was semis. Yeah, but that was the second time we you know yeah. progressed. So. Yeah, and that was cool because that was like a different team. So that's why he can reinvent himself. Like he's already done it multiple times actually, and yeah. let like someone like Jimmy Butler kind of take the you know be the front man for the for the team. But yeah. Yeah, let's uh and we just went off on a tangent on the Bulls and D Rose, but that's yeah, you can't you can't help but do it, yeah. <laughs> I just remember last thing I'll say about it, his up and under layups that he was doing, that's where I was like, Whoa, like I've never seen anyone do that before. And I, I don't think, yeah. Was that oh so that was like oh nine, two thousand ten. So I was in middle school or just getting into high school. And that's when I first started seeing people do that. And I was starting to do it, too, because I was like, whoa. I but, think it influenced a lot of people's oh, games yeah. of our age. I mean, like, mm-hmm. people, like, a lot of people our age have, like, nifty layup packages and things like that. And, I mean, I again, I will just say, like, I mean, he's he's just, like, the hero of Chicago mm-hmm. for some time, man. And, I mean, you can't help but, like, look back on that era and just think that, like, what if, what could have happened? So. Were you living in Chicago still during that time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I... Oh, because that would been high school for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I was going to, like, all the games I could go oh, to. Oh, that's awesome. Like, oh, peop- so you got to see him like live. Oh yeah, many oh. times, man. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, the the arena would just be like jumping. I mean, I was in the you know three hundred section, Still, so it was nothing yeah. like. But all all the people though, just for, that's where the real fans are too. So I bet it was the most the best energy here. Actually, okay, let me take let's take a quick break, and then I do need to hear come up with your best story, D Rose live story. Okay, sounds Can good. You do that? All right, all right, quick story time. Uh, Brandon, you want to go ahead and tell us about your best in person D Rose memory. Yeah, so um, had to have been, um, I believe it was the 2011-2012 season, um, but it had to have been the year when D. Rose hit the step-back game winner against the Milwaukee Bucks when uh, Stacey King, this like, shout-out, let me step back and kiss myself, <laughs> Windy City Assassin. I mean, it was just crazy. I think that was against like Brandon Jennings, but mm-hmm, he just hit like, a super hard like uh, jab step-back. Like, it's almost like, it looks like, the way he contoured his body, like, looks unnatural, and the step back was just, like, ridiculous, and he just, like, pulled it, and just, like, pulled up drained right it, yeah, drained it, literally, to win the game, the time running off the clock, so, I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Brandon Jennings, it's a tie game, in Milwaukee, too, so that's just, yep. that's just rude to the, all their fans. I mean, at this time, again, this was, like, the United Center, like, there were so many Bulls fans there, but, like, it looked, yeah, that was so contested, and they just, a violent step back, like, that's may as well have been a, a three. Shot. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was that good at that time, though. But, yeah, that was definitely my favorite in-person D. Rose memory. And then my favorite, you know, to watch on television mm-hmm. could have easily been that floater over Pau Gasol against the Lakers uh, I, I remember, Christmas I Day. That yeah, that was such a Christmas Day present. I mean, um, it wasn't a pretty game, too, if I remember. Like, both of us, like, both of our teams weren't playing that well. But 
D Rose down the stretch, so it was just ridiculous. I remember he put the ball up so high over Gasol to finish. It was just ridiculous. Oh, so did Kobe hit? Oh wait. Oh no, here we go. Oh, we turned. Okay, so Kobe turned it over. Yeah. On Fish. Yeah, no, Derek oh. Fisher had no business guarding that. Him. Yeah, we all knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. You can't. There's nothing <laughs> you could do to stop that. Also, damn, damn. So was that like? Was that was he the most exciting player that you can remember like from your time going to Bulls games? Oh yeah, for okay. sure, no question. Just in terms, I could imagine like when he would make a crazy play, like just the arena just. I mean, every the whole crazy. time, all you hear is oh, because <laughs> like he just has those herky jerky moves, mm-hmm. and like I swear there'd be times where like I don't even think he knew what he was doing with the ball, but like if you just go back and watch like some of his like most like I don't know athletic layups mm-hmm. or plays whatever on YouTube, like you'll see what I mean. Like yeah, there were times where he just like pulled like a Houdini move like up and under like three times like. I forgot his his handles were that good too. Just watching the the Brandon Jennings game winner, I yeah, his handles like he was just these crossovers. Just Brandon Jennings was and, probably like, oh god, where is he going? I and I think he's one of the first people to almost like play like it almost looked like a combination of like football and basketball with mm-hmm. the way he like handles the ball. He'll mm-hmm. throw it out ahead of himself sometimes, catch up to it, and then just has like all that speed. And yeah. when he gets in the paint, he'll cradle cradle it almost like a football, like a running yeah. back. Like when he gets, he in. looked like a running back. That's what it was. Yeah, he's like built like a running back too. Yeah. Damn, he was really like <laughs> better version of Westbrook before Westbrook. Exactly. I mean, I always tell people for John Wall, like Russell Westbrook, like he's the most explosive, but like he was also like he was out of control but under control mm-hmm. at the same time. Like, he's right. so finesse. That's why like, you can guard him too, because it's like yeah. he's not. There's no like rhythm to it. Like exactly, it you can't. Control, you but. can't. Yeah, you can't predict what mm-hmm. type of movie he's gonna make. And you know, Westbrook is just all like aggression, but mm-hmm. he like would explode and then gracefully finish. Exactly. Like, Whoa. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that'll do it for story time. <laughs>